Five o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In five, four, three, two, one. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. It's a marshmallow world in the winter When the snow comes to cover the ground It's time for play It's a whipped cream day I wait for it to hold you around Often uh, played as a Christmas song Dean Martin's Marshmallow World But it is uh, a, sn- a song about snow And we had a little snow It's gone now uh, I think our guy David Sawyer, he 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 hit it on the head. Would you say so? Uh, hey, hey, to Ben Byron, by the way. I would say so. I mean, it's it, it's gone. I don't know what happened. I turned my back and it's gone. So, like in Northern Pitt County, Bethel, Bethel North, it looked like three inches, kind of two inches in the in the nice meaty middle part. And then in, uh, like, Grifton, less than an inch. All phases of this in Pitt County. So you nailed uh, it. Kind of did. Kind of did. Uh, welcome in, everybody. It's great to have you with us. We've had so much going on the last few days. We're going to expand upon some things that we have not had a chance to talk about. Uh, and I, the Josh Heupel thing, I've better organized my thoughts on that. I, I It was also kind of divided yesterday a little bit. Uh you know, so we'll get to that if we have time. There, there, it's it never rests though. Things never stop. Uh, the big story today, uh, and this was reported by Ian Rappaport. Ben, is this correct? That's right. Uh, what is the update via the Twitter? Uh, the update is that Carolina is one of the three teams that's heavily aggressively pursuing Deshaun Watson in trade talks. Okay. Before we resume on that, I, I did skip over something I wanted to do, which was ask. You guys, where you would rate this as a, a good snow or a not-so-good snow? I rate it as a great snow because it didn't impact the roads, and uh, it's melted away by now. So as far as I'm concerned, great snow. Ben, what do you say? Good. You can do it scale of 1 to 10, good or bad, indifferent. What do you say? 10, I hate snow. It went away as soon as possible, and I love that. All right, intern Joe. Good snow, bad snow, rate it 1 to 10? Um, 10 snow. Just like Ben, I did not like snow, and I was glad it went away and did not affect the roads. I I knew we liked intern Joe. I knew he was my favorite intern, Ben, this semester. That's why we live here. I mean, we don't like snow. Yeah, get, uh, hit the road if you like snow. Come on now. All right, so the Panthers are in the mix, apparently, for Deshaun Watson. This makes obvious sense. Who are the other teams, Ben? Did the Rappaport tweet say that or no? I literally just saw the headline before the show started. Just no, I got you. Up. That's good. Okay, no problem. Um, Carolina was mentioned. Right. Well, I mean, logically, Miami comes to mind, right? Yeah, in the in the Jets, right? And I, I assume the Jets. There we go. We figured it out. Yeah, but I mean, and I'm sure there's others. I mean, maybe Indianapolis is a little bit in the running now. I don't know what they'd have to offer. And I, I think that's where the p- problem lies with the Panthers. All right, Casey, look this up. There's, uh-huh. There's kind of a... A little monkey oh. wrench thrown in there. The Bears are actually pursuing Deshaun Watson instead of Miami. Yeah, you know, Miami probably likes Tua, right? Yeah, I think you would have to give him a little bit more time if you're Miami, especially you spent that high draft pick on him. Yeah, and I think, um, and I really do believe that uh, that makes sense with Chicago. Uh, I don't so, think yeah. Mitch and Nick Foles are the answer in uh, Chicago. No, Trubisky's not, not, uh, but look, he played a little better he and did. they got him, got him into the playoffs and they played in the green slime game. So, um, uh, but that, yeah, that makes sense. Good work there, Casey. I, I knew we, uh, kept intern Joe around for a reason and, uh, yeah, that's good. He's got his the, um, pink hoodie on, you know, that entertainment. No, he's very colorful again today. That's funny. He's, he's, a, he's a colorful guy. He's unique character. But um, I just – and I'm not going to pretend I know what the Bears have to offer. I'm not going to um, – you know, the Jets, there's obviously a, a high pick. 
I mean, Watson wants out. That's the story in all of this that kind of emerged today. Deshaun Watson saying earlier today after they hired uh, the passing game coordinator for the dead stinking last passing Baltimore Ravens as the coach, you knew this was coming. So Deshaun Watson has made his intention. Uh, so I, I like what you've said, Ben. I think uh, why not, if you're going to do this, why not Christian McCaffrey? But then the argument is, are you taking away a big weapon that would make the Panthers extremely dangerous on offense between Watson and McCaffrey. Imagine those two teaming up. Well, my argument is, is that, I mean, we, we were out with, without McCaffrey for most of the year this year. And I, I know we didn't win a lot of games, but I still felt like that was more on the defensive end. and Our offense was still very competent. There's plenty of weapon weapons still on that offense that can carry the load. And I mean, we kind of saw Mike Davis, you can get a running back, back there and he can have a successful season even behind that terrible offensive line yeah and i think it does come back to that too can you have an offensive line that is i mean they were banged up but i mean you just you've got to have a good if you're gonna have watson you got to have a, a good offensive line in my opinion because i you just don't want him running or he can run and he will run but you just don't want him running around all the time I think it's a great move i think out of all the destinations it to me makes the most sense for deshaun watson uh, it, it puts him back in a market that's going to love him. I mean, he'd be the man. He and McCaffrey would be tremendous. Now, is he, is he worth giving up that number eight pick? And does it go against what the Panthers are going to do with the new GM and with a coach that really has a lot of time left on his contract? And I'm not saying there's not pressure to win because there's always pressure to win. But I think anybody realistically, if they're going to build through the draft, which it appears that's what Carolina is going to do, that next year is not going to be the year unless a lot of things fall into place. Now, Deshaun Watson changes that. And look, I, we've said this before. We said this the week previous. Obviously, Tampa's in the in the Super Bowl. That was, that was a two-year project with Brady, and they've already gotten to the Super Bowl. Regardless of the result, I do think Brady comes back. Um, I think it's a little less likely he comes back if they win, but I think he does come back regardless of what happens next Sunday. Uh, but that's that's over after next year. Could be over after this year, but likely will be over after next year. And Atlanta, with Matt Ryan, I mean, how, he's got some good years left, I'm sure, but what's he going to have around him? Who knows what's going to happen in New Orleans now with Breeze likely done. And so... You make yourself, in my mind, an instant contender if you get Deshaun Watson, even if you do give up McCaffrey, because there's some other guys there that you can uh, you could surround him with who were productive this year. And so I, I just you got to have that extra that that other weapon uh, with with Watson. It would seem like. But so I mean, do you just you unload a bunch of draft picks? That's the that would be the only thing, right, Ben? I would think so, but I. I would like to see them get free up some cap space somehow in in, in this trade because I I mean we're we're struggling well, in terms of a cap space. I think the thing you you do uh, if you're trying to pursue Watson, you've got to somehow you're going to probably have to package. They're not going to get rid of McCaffrey, so you're going to have to package that eighth overall pick. And I try to get rid of Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> I would too, but are they going to are they going to willing to kind of jump on that opportunity there, even with the eighth, eighth overall pick kind of attached? Because I mean, what are we talking right well, now? The Texans. I mean, they still got a high draft pick. I mean, they were not great yeah. this year, so gives them another high round, high first round pick, and it gives them uh, a quarterback who, you know, is is kind of proven. I guess not proven well in the second part of the season, but it's proven. <laughs> so. Very interesting. I, 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 I'd be very interested to know what they believe Chicago is going to try to offer. But I, don't go to New York if you're Deshaun Watson, in my opinion. That is, you end up looking like a hypocrite if you go to New York. I mean, th yeah. there's not an organization out there more dysfunctional than New York. Right. Exactly. Uh, pirate basketball last night. Ugh, tale of two halves. You know, played pretty well at the start, got off to a quick start, but then went in one of those just terrible offensive droughts. And then big hole at halftime, came back in the second half, came up empty on some possessions late, but 
you know, I don't know how much of that was they were fatigued having to climb back after being down from a big in a big hole. I don't know. But I'll tell you this. Uh, you, you just whether you're you're if you're coming back or whether you're in a close game that's bucket for bucket throughout, you can't have empty possessions down the stretch. You can't miss free throws. And Jaden Gardner was fantastic. Missed a key free throw late. Then they had the foul on the three-point attempt. Pushed it back up to five, and then that just that was sort of fait accompli. Ben, I know you did not watch it because since you started your day yesterday at two in the morning and worked all day and then went out and partied all night, <laughs> you, you went right to bed. But uh, intern Joe watched it. Joe, is my assessment on that pretty good? Uh, I would definitely say you're correct, correct with that assessment. They started off far too slow and dug themselves too big of a hole to get back into the game. I, I love intern Joe, by the way, Ben. Uh, and then Joe had looked up, uh, Casey had looked up a very interesting stat. What is the stat you've got, uh, Casey, about men's and women's basketball? Between the two ECU basketball teams, they are 0-10 in the year 2021. Wow. Tough start once the calendar flipped uh, for to the year for both programs. Uh, let's hear from Coach Rock. He was uh, in for Joe Dooley. We assume Joe Dooley back today. He joined us at the beginning of the show yesterday. Uh, this is uh, the Pirate Report, and we'll hear some uh, post-game thoughts of uh, Coach Rockefort after the loss at UCF. And now, Patrick Johnson with today's Pirate Report on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. All right, this is uh, Coach Rock. His uh, thoughts immediately after the game. Cut one. Yeah, in the, in, in the first half, um, you know, got we got down 17 because we were not very good in transition defense. Um, we were giving up second-chance points, so we weren't boxing out and rebounding. Um, and we really didn't get a lot of good shots. You know, we were shooting it on one pass or one side. Um, instead of getting into the second, third, fourth side. Um, so we tried to make some adjustments at halftime. Um, I think our guys did a really good job of coming out and defending, especially in the half court. Um, they tightened up the transition defense, um, and they, they got us back in the game. Uh, this is uh, Coach Rock on Jaden Gardner's third straight double-double, 23-10. and 10. He likes to play down in Orlando. Yeah, you know uh, – once he got going, you know, we wanted to we wanted to play through him, uh, you know, and to continue to see what, what he could do. A couple of times they switched the guard on him. Um, a couple of times, uh, you know, off of him, we had some good cuts from other people and good passes. Uh, and, you know, I mean, we just, we just tried to play through him uh, and not force anything, and he did a really good job, and I, I thought our guys did a good job of playing through him. And as a result, the Pirates were much better in the second half. Um, I think we just we concentrated on, you know, they were really closing out hard on our shooters. So we were really concentrating on shot fake, you know, trying to penetrate, hit the next guy, shot fake, try to penetrate, not take the shot on the first or second guy, but get to the third or fourth guy and get open shots. And, and I think we did a much better job of that in the second half. And uh, Coach Rock talked about the defensive improvements that the Pirates had uh, in the second half. Well, I, I, I think that, you know, what – our communication was if you want to get back in the game, you're going to have to do it on the defensive end. You know, there's no other way to do it. You're not just going to go out there and outscore them, you know, after you're down 17. You're going to have to get stops, multiple stops in a row, um, you know, limit them to one shot, have great transition defense to give ourselves a chance. And then we got to take really good shots on offense. So I thought our guys were really, really disciplined, you know, in doing that for a long stretch in the second half. Um, and like you said, you know, it kind of happened – in a hurry that, you know, we're down three and we're shooting a one-on-one. We missed it. We fouled a three-point shooter in the corner. And then the next possession, we turned it over. And th that was three critical deals right at the end of the game. Yeah, empty possessions down the stretch. Uh, we mentioned uh, Jaden Garner, 23-10, and 10, third straight double-double. Tremont Robinson-White, don't look now. He's all of a sudden kind of emerged uh, right before our eyes. He's averaged 21 over the last three games, including 18 last night. And uh, Coach Rock talked about Tremont Robinson-White's performance. Yeah, he, he, he's playing better and better, and he needs to. You know, I mean, we need him to play good to be able to win games. Um, and, and I just thought that we got a group of guys that really were playing well together. 
and uh, kind of shortened the rotation, um, and we just kind of stuck with those guys. So Tremont played well, uh, Jaden played well, Batoma played well. I thought I thought those you know seven guys that played a ton of minutes, um, you know, really really played hard. And one of them was J.J. Uh, Miles in uh, his return. This is what Coach Rock had to say about J.J. Uh, Miles coming back. He logged 22 minutes and uh, was 3 of 10, but 0 for 7 shooting. In fact, the Pirates were just 4 of 20 from deep. Uh, and J.J. Uh, Miles, unfortunately, 0 for 7 from the bonus sphere. Uh, Coach on Miles' return. Yeah, you know, he's a big part of what we're doing. And, and you know, he had really had a good start for the season and played really well. Um, and we just got to get him back acclimated and, you know, get him get him up and down the court as much as we possibly can. Brian Maul going to join us uh, second half hour. We'll talk a little more about that. The always anonymous text line uh, says, do not forget about Matthew Stafford. And Ben, when I was uh, walking this morning in the crisp air, walking the dog at like six in the morning this morning. Yep. I was actually thinking about that, believe it or not. That boy, this Deshaun. This is before all the Watson thing. I said, "There's yeah. no way they're going to get Deshaun Watson." So why not try to get Matthew Stafford? And that's probably a better deal for Carolina. Probably saves you a lot of money. You probably don't have to give up as much. I I, I actually like that move. Actually, and you get a and you get a quarterback that I mean is is productive and is a a, a competent national quarter national uh, football league quarterback. I would say he's. He's got to be a top ten quarterback in this league, I would think, and without listing him out. But right, no, I agree with you. And he's still got some. I mean, but Watson's the play if you're if you're building towards willing, the future. If you're well, I mean, that, he, not, he's the now and the future. Yeah. Because again, I think he makes them. Uh, you were telling me the kid from uh, State, Devin it's, Daniels. It's a torn AC, Devin Daniels, a torn ACL. Gosh, that's that's bad. That that, that that injury did not look good last night. That's one of those non-contact knee injuries. That's a shame. He's a game changer. Probably one of my most one of my favorite players to watch on state when I am watching a state game. Um, yeah, his, his ball handling and shooting is it. Well, he's just elite. fun to watch. Yeah, he's fun. He's fun to watch, and he, I mean, they just don't have anybody now that can go hunt a shot for him. Yeah, I mean, they're like UNC. They're very forward heavy now. You would think. Well, they just don't have anybody that can. You know, they just don't have anyone that can go out and, and make, uh, you know, just get, you, you can't really, there, there's not someone now for state that's going to go out and get those points for you. Yeah. Night in, night out. Uh, a few more thoughts on what happened with uh, UCF uh, and uh, not in basketball, but in football yesterday, uh, Josh Heupel taking the Tennessee job. Uh, we had to divide that conversation a little bit. So we'll get to that. And uh, no baseball. Hall of Fame class this year. And I, just a couple thoughts on that. We'll get to that. Uh, Brian Mole later on on the program, a quick break. We'll come back and uh, have some of that for you, plus uh, more happenings and breaking news. So stay with us. Patrick Johnson Show on this Thursday. And Pirates. Oh, yeah. Panthers. Good, baby. Very good. The P-Man. This is Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Hey, after uh, the show, we uh, post on our website, 943thegame.com, the uh, podcast of the show. The pod drops. Now, on Thursdays, it's a little later because Ben has other duties because basically Ben's the epicenter of the company now, it seems like. And um, you can also get it from wherever you download, Apple, Google, Spotify. Uh Ben, what did the always anonymous text line tell you? They're telling me I'm a liar that uh, the Texans don't have a <laughs> high draft pick. <laughs> you were mistaken. Yeah. You were mistaken. Well, I'm, it, it didn't sound right, but I really, I was in between. Well, I thought that doesn't seem right, but then I thought, well, I also kind of wasn't paying fully attention to what the, you were saying. 
which is my mistake. <laughs> the Laramie Tunsil trade just feels like so long ago. It's just kind of insane to think they traded. Well, that's true. In, in fairness to you, picks. they did trade away. Yeah. Yes. That is, so I'm that's sorry. I, I, uh, I, I, now, do you I think this mistake. always anonymous text, do you think this text I got on the always anonymous text line is a mistaken text, wrong number, or is it a spoof, like a spam? I did not see it yet, but Casey okay. was, I don't know, he was mumbling under his breath about this. Technology. Intern Joe, do you think that's a spam? Somebody spamming me, or do you think that's a legitimate wrong text number? That was quite a text I just got in the break on the always anonymous text line. I mean, looking at the text now, I definitely hope this is a spam, because if not, that's some uh, that's some serious stuff going on. That's a serious thing. Well, no, it, it, that happens. Yeah. Uh, UCF is, uh, they've got a myriad of candidates. Now, they've got to get an AD first, one would think. Uh, and uh, some names that are being bandied about in Orlando, Gene Chizik, uh, Scott Frost, would he come back after 12 and 20 for three years in in uh, Nebraska, I doubt it. Uh, Gus Malzahn has been a name that's been mentioned. Of course, he's getting $21 million in the buyout, so. I like, I like, uh, that's not a bad choice, I would, I would think. The people in Orlando have a really high opinion of every... There's two things going on with this. By the way, Randy Shannon is in-house, could be. There's some other assistants that could be. Uh, Sean Becton is one of them. But, I mean, Randy Shannon, uh, all indications appear that's not going to be the case. You know, he was at Miami in Florida. Uh, Steve Spurrier Jr., because uh, you got anytime something's open in Florida, you got to mention Spurrier, Steve Spurrier Jr. Yeah. Or if the Duke job's open, you got to mention Steve Spurrier Jr. <laughs> but, um, but, I mean, you, they've, they have the biggest budget in the American, right? Yep. You, you got a real problem because, I mean, they. They have less avenues, uh, you know, streams of income than I than I would say ECU does, arguably. Because even though the fa- – but, I mean, it's a very fair-weather situation with the football. They're not going to – they've done a great job of getting the interest whipped up down there. And people do show up more than they did, but, I mean, you've got to run – almost run the table for people to show up regularly. And they've just – they've got some – and everybody does. It's just I'm not just calling out UCF here. They've got some financial issues. I also don't know if Danny White and Josh Heupel have a really full understanding of the anthill they've knocked over in Knoxville. Those people are nuts. <laughs> yeah, they're, Seriously. They're, they're put in a tough situation, I, I, I think. Well, that's why I'm surprised he went with – I mean, I get it on one hand. It's the devil you know, but that's that's something. It's gonna, that, that, to me, is going to be fascinating to watch. I would think you would at least try to give Gus a look. I mean, he's been in the SEC. He's had success in the SEC. I mean, I would take him over Hypel. I would I would think. Uh, Hy- you would Hypel is probably Hypel's cheaper, and you're still going to score a lot of points with Hypel. That's true. That's true. You know? I'd, I, I would just prefer I, proven success, especially during this time and with the resources yeah. you've been given. No, I understand. But they have better resources than... Than anybody, but uh, you know UCF, and I don't know how much of this is Danny White's doing. I'm sure more of this will come out. I mean, all all reports are Danny White is a very competent guy, very competent AD. But I mean, UCF's got some financial issues right now. I mean, they were they had a big big buy. I'm not just talking in football. I'm talking in the whole nine across the board. Uh, We've sort of neglected the baseball Hall of Fame. That whole thing's ridiculous. I thought our guy, Antoine Staley, had a really good tweet. And this makes the most sense to me. You cannot talk about the history of baseball and not bring up Schilling, Clemens, and Bonds. Would you agree with that, Ben? Intern Joe, would you also agree with that? I agree. For sure. I mean... The Bonds and Clemens era and the McGuire, that kind of saved baseball there. I mean, I get it was heavily. Well, I'm just talking about their perf- but, right. Yeah. Their performances were the. I mean, that that's you can't talk about that era of baseball and the game's history without bringing those guys up. Yeah, you can't you can't leave them out. That's not something you can leave in the history of now, baseball. I get the idea that you don't want to, but the the thing with uh, Schilling is it's all political. I mean, baseball writers, 
by and large, Springsteen-loving liberal guys don't like Kurt Schilling's politics. That's what that amounts to. He, he maybe is not the slam dunk that Clemens and Bond should be, but, I mean, he should be in the Hall of Fame. Without a doubt. And and I, I just... I thought there was a few this guys is where it comes in, this, b- in this class that should have been in that didn't get voted in. Outside of well, Who else guys, did you think? I thought Andrew who Jones should have been a Hall of Famer. Eh. Casey says Todd Hilton. Ooh, come on, Casey. <laughs> do you also do you also say Rollins should be? Uh, he scoffed at that. Yeah, I think a lot of people are scoffing at that. I, I mean, I could see both your guys' arguments. Jones uh, played a long, long time. It was productive. Helton was a, a heck of a hitter. Uh, but those guys certainly shouldn't go in before the three I mentioned. Oh, you? yeah. I'm just saying, I mean, th- there was definitely plenty of worthy right. guys that could have been voted in this year, and he yeah. dropped the ball. All right. Uh, we got to get to Brian Mull. Uh, but I, I've just, I, that is something I, I wanted to say the last few days. And it's, I mean, it's true. You hear it. I mean, you've heard it from guys on this station. Uh, it, it's basically the only reason Schilling was not in this year and has not gotten in at this point is the is politics. You can have the debate about the the PEDs with Bonds uh, and uh, and Clemens, and that's a legitimate that is a legitimate uh, conversation to have. I think that might not be popular with a lot of people, but I, I think that's a. Le- but I mean, the thing with with uh, Schilling, it's just all political. They don't like that he's a conservative. And, and, that, and that, that's the... Tell me I'm wrong. Prove to me I'm wrong on that. But you'd be, uh, Ben's it'd got be enough... hard to find some proof the, the, the claim, the, to point out the otherwise. Yeah, I, you can't. All right, uh, Ben Byram, an update. Lots to talk about, as you've heard already. And then Brian Mole, we're going to talk some hoops, maybe a little golf with him, uh, our friend. So uh, that's coming up. But right now, Ben, with an update on what's happening in the world of sports, Pirate Nation and beyond. Ben, what you got? Thanks, Patrick. Ben Barham here for your 94th of the game sports update. We start with the Farmers Insurance Open as Patrick lead, Patrick Reed leads with 8-under through 17, followed by Scotty Scheffler in second, who's 6-under through 16. East alum Harold Vaughn third is currently 6-over through 16 and tied for 147. Meanwhile, a few interesting games tipping off in college hoops tonight, but first breaking news out of NC State as starting guard Devin Daniels has officially torn his ACL. We start at 7, though, as UNC Asheville travels to Winthrop. The Winthrop Eagles are 12.5-point favorites at 8. 15th-ranked Kansas host TCU. The TCU Horned Frogs are the 14.5-point underdogs. An American Conference matchup as SMU battles Memphis. The Mustangs are favored in that one by four points. And non-top ranked Gonzaga takes on San Diego. The Gonzaga Bulldogs are, of course, the favorites by 27 and a half points. And wrapping up all the action, we have another American Conference matchup between Houston and Tulane. The Tulane Green Wave are the 17 and a half point underdogs. And the NFL quarterback Deshaun Watson has officially requested a trade from the Houston Texans. It's reported by NFL Network's Ian Rappaport that Carolina is one of the three aggressive suitors in trade talks, along with the Bears and the Jets. From the NBA, the LA Lakers will be without all NBA forward Anthony Davis in their game against Detroit due, a, due to a quad injury. For Major League Baseball, former Yankees pitcher Masahiro Tanaka has decided to return to Japan and play pro ball there, while the Mets trade pitcher Steven Matz to the Toronto Blue Jays for three pitching prospects. And from the NHL, Penguins GM Jim Rutherford has erupt, abruptly retired from his position, which surprised many, including Sidney Crosby. Longtime Red Wings goalie Jimmy Howard is also officially retired, and the Carolina Hurricanes look to officially return to the ice tonight as they host the reigning Stanley Cup champion Tampa Bay Lightning. Buck drop for that game is set for seven. Mrazic is expected to start in the net tonight for the Canes, while Jesper Fast, Warren Fogel, Jordan Martinuk, Jacob Slavin, and Tavo Teravina are all listed as out for tonight's game as they're on the COVID list. If you're a 94th of the game sports update, I'm Ben Barham. He didn't have any snow. Lucky him. Well, it really wasn't that bad of a snow, but lucky him. He had none. Uh, Brian Mull joining us from uh, southeastern North Carolina, the uh, beautiful port city of Wilmington. Uh, writes for uh, all sorts of people and uh, has, uh, is about to come out of his, uh, his winter. Uh, uh, kind of like the groundhog. You're about to come, in February, you kind of start to get active again. You, st- you see your shadow, and that means a few more weeks of basketball. And 
and then a little golf, and uh, you're 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 off to the races usually. So I hope that's the case this year. Absolutely, yeah. It's been a uh, you know it's winter, yeah. Kind of hunker down and watch some watch some yeah. hoop. And- a little hibernation for you. A little hibernation. A little hibernation. Yeah. All right. Uh, hey, before we get into the schedule, uh, and Thursdays usually are a little bit of a dead night for for basketball sometimes but I, I like some of the games tonight and the weekend's looking good let's uh let's talk a little bit about ecu uh and uh the comeback attempt against ucf last night i don't know how much of that you got to see if any we've already kind of gone through it and uh talked a little bit uh, it, it obviously if you don't have joe dooley in a game like last night and i'm not trying to take anything away from steve Rockefeller. uh and and the job that the players did i mean Jaden garner looked like Jaden garner last night but when you look at that uh, to me, you have Joe Dooley in that game. You maybe don't have a big hole to dig out of, but you got to give. Look, the, these kids are playing hard, and you know, again, I, I, we got to get to the point in my mind where we're not patting ECU basketball on the head. You know what I'm saying? I mean, we should be sure. we should be pissed that they lost last night. Uh, that yeah. they, that they dug that big a hole, and we do need to applaud them for for coming back. But we we just when we until we get to that point, it's kind of like Duke football with a lot of. Uh, fans in, in you know that part of the state when we you know this this is important and when we stop patting the you know golly gee whiz you know keep it up guys then I, then who knows maybe that maybe that's the the mental block to turn the corner with the fan base I don't know uh but I mean look I didn't play well but made a hell of an effort to come back at some point there 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 has to be results Obviously, uh, certainly, ECU is going through its share of adversity in the last few weeks with and not having, you know, I think the, the biggest thing with any team, not having its head coach and especially a, a younger program, you know, with a coach there in, in his third year, I mean, they're just so used to hearing that one voice, um, whether it's in the locker room before the game or halftime or timeouts and his way of communication has kind of become second nature to them and, um yeah, again, no, 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 uh, no knock on, on Rockfort who did it, who did a great job. But uh, you look at that game last night, and if you kind of break it down, like into NBA ten-minute quarters, uh, ECU outscored twenty-eight to twelve in the second quarter. So basically, the, the last ten minutes of the first half. And other than that, uh, played, you know, outplayed UCF or, or, or played them pretty evenly. But you just can't afford to spot a team, you know, a sixteen-point cushion in, uh, you know, on the road. Uh, as they did, and uh, and and just chasing back from a double-digit deficit, you have to be perfect. And I thought that Gardner played great. He missed a key front end when they were down yeah. three that yeah. that could have uh, kept some. I, I felt like ECU had the momentum and the game pressure was on UCF at that point. And, yeah, but again, if you're uh, if the game's a little more manageable at halftime, and and, and then uh, that that play doesn't stand out as much. But uh, they they need to. Uh, they need to turn it around, you know, four, four losses in a row. Those, you know, coaches always say you want to avoid, you know, you might lose a couple back to back. You really don't want to lose three. And then when it starts to become three, more than three in a season, uh, that, that can be a troublesome sign. So they need to, they need to string together a couple of wins here. And, uh, you know, the schedule's not getting any easier. Uh, golf scribe, college basketball writer Brian Mull uh, joining us uh, here. You'll start to see that byline a little more uh, and uh, that contribution uh, a little more as uh, things heat up post-Super Bowl uh, and uh, college hoops really takes uh, center stage. It's been a wild season. Pirates have Tulsa at noon on Saturday. And uh, the Golden Hurricane, in a year where it might be tough to select uh, 68 teams, uh, Tulsa's probably, you know, even though they're not, appearing on too much as a bubble team possibly it depends on how they play i think the american can definitely get three maybe four depending on what happens with wichita and or tulsa but uh, uh tulsa's not going to be an easy out in fact uh, that's a tough game saturday for a reeling ecu team yeah it's a difficult style to play against they're going to uh you know slow the game down play a lot of zone on the defensive side of the ball and you just have to be disciplined you can't spend 20 seconds of a possession passing it around the perimeter you have to has to probe it and get the ball into the middle and, and, and put the pressure on them and and really uh, hit the offensive glass hard because they're not a great defensive rebounding team as a lot of teams that play zone aren't. And so, uh, yeah, on your home floor, I mean, that's what you would call a 50-50 game. And Tulsa may be a slight favorite when the number comes out. But uh, 
certainly a, a winnable game, especially with Houston looming in the in the background. You certainly don't want to try to snap a five-game losing streak against one of the probably ten best teams in the country. So that's next week. Houston tonight at Tulane. They're up to number six uh, in the latest uh, some of the latest polls. Uh, Memphis and SMU, uh, game two of their best of seven series. I'm kidding, of course, but uh, <laughs> uh, Memphis gets a three-point win the other night after hammering Wichita and after uh, dismantling ECU. So uh, Penny Hardaway's bunch, uh, who probably athlete-wise uh, probably could compete with Houston. I think Houston's a better team, but, boy, Memphis is, is a team that I would hate to be looking at when the brackets come out and I see Memphis on my line, regardless of the seating. You're right. I mean, they, they have uh, big, strong athletes and they really are defending at a high level. That's something that they've done consistently throughout the season. They just have had a couple of games where they just look clueless on offense. I mean, scored 49 points and a loss to, to Tulsa. They've actually lost to them twice. Hadn't figured out that zone whatsoever, but uh, here of late, Showing a little more spark on the offensive end. Of course, knocked down a bunch of threes against East Carolina the other day. And I agree. I think Memphis is a tournament team. Uh, when it's all said and done, uh, they've got a – if they could, you know, win that game tonight, they certainly have an opportunity to go on a little bit of a run. But, uh, yeah, weird schedule. They play SMU back-to-back, and then they play UCF uh, back-to-back uh, the following week. So Speaking um, of uh, SMU, uh, I mean, this is – I don't think this is must-win territory for them tonight. I think that's the third tournament team right now. Uh, if we were having Selection Sunday this weekend uh, out of the American, but uh, you know, not having Jankovic in that in a three-point loss on the road uh, again. Same thing with Joe Dooley last night. I mean, you, you, you don't have your head coach. That changes the way that the bench is structured. You lose that extra set of eyes that you have with a with three assistants, four assistants, whatever it is now. Uh, everybody's got a well. They don't wear suits anymore, but everybody's got a position in a lot of programs now, and you got six or seven guys. But uh, you know that that's that's. I mean, and again, not to take anything away from Rockefort, but that's you know Rockefort's relying on two assist, two main assistants. Joe, when he's the head man on the sidelines, relying on three, including Rock. So uh, it, it's a little bit of a different deal, but uh, I, I do like SMU. That's another scary athletic team. Oh, they are. They and they're kind of the opposite of Memphis, and they've they've been a pretty good offensive team <clears throat> from the beginning of the season, and and have had some nights where they they couldn't really stop anybody. But they certainly have the the personnel, and uh, Jankovic doesn't. You know, he's always been a good coach, going back to his days at Illinois State. And, um, you know, they're 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 in a position where they need to to win the majority, if not, you know, they they can't afford too many losses down the stretch if they really want to be in that that bubble conversation um, at the end of the season. And look, it's going to be a challenging job. And you and I have spoken about this a little bit, you know, for the committee to, to sort all of this out. And because uh, all wins, even over the same team are not created equally this year based on the personnel. And, uh, you know, you, you look at a really good St. Louis team, for example, the other night coming off a 33 day layoff and having to, having to play Dayton. Um, just uh, that's not a true representation of who that team might be. Yeah. Uh, Brian Mull with us, college basketball writer, golf writer. We've got a golf question or two we'll try to get to here in this segment with him. Uh, it is a uh, ball night, uh, and uh, one that stands out to me that I'm kind of looking for. Memphis, SMU, ESPN2, that'll be interesting. Uh, the later game, Houston uh, at Tulane, 9 o'clock on uh, Big ESPN, the worldwide leader, I'm told. Uh, but on the U at 7 o'clock following uh, Pac-12 action, uh, I kind of like this one. Unka at Winthrop, and our guy Pat Kelsey at Winthrop has them undefeated. Yeah, don't blink. If you want to watch this game, you, you've got Winthrop is one of the fastest teams from a tempo pace uh, point of view in the nation. Really fast on offense. I mean, they're they're uh, they're trying. They're like the Golden State Warriors of a few years ago, trying to get the ball down the court, get a shot up pretty quickly. First good available shot, looking in transition, and then Asheville, uh, coached by Mike Morrell, who spent many years with Shaka Smart, both at VCU and Texas, and their 40 minutes of full court pressure. So it'll be interesting uh, just kind of see how that unfolds. Of course, Winthrop's 15-0, and one of the few unbeatens left in, in the country. They have a couple of nice non-conference wins early this season over Furman and Greensboro and Little Rock, and uh, they've just kind of blown through the Big South. Had a couple of challenges, but uh, – uh, that should be a that should be a fun game to watch. Uh, I, I, both teams have have a lot of capable shooters and scorers, and 
Um, that one could get up into the 80s pretty quickly. Uh, this weekend, anything that stands out? Uh, we've got ECU at Tulsa, as we mentioned, at noon on Saturday, Williams Arena, Minji's Coliseum. Uh, also at noon, a top 25 matchup, uh, Alabama and Oklahoma and that SEC Big 12 uh, thing that they do. Uh, and then uh, Clemson and Duke, that's kind of some noon games that stand out to me. Uh, anything that stands out to you uh, Saturday uh, and or uh, Sunday for this weekend? Uh, big game Friday night. Uh, big 10, widely considered the best conference in college basketball this season. You've got a couple of top 10 teams in Iowa and Illinois getting together. That's another game. Uh, three or four future first-round picks on the court in that one. And uh, – should be a few, uh, but those teams aren't afraid to put it in the basket and get it up and down. So that one should be pretty entertaining. Uh, another game, uh, Virginia, Virginia Tech, I think is, uh, is intriguing to me. It's, it's in Blacksburg, which, uh, even with no fans is, is a difficult place for any, any opponent. And, and, you know, Virginia Tech certainly has the resume of a tournament team at this point, beat Villanova early in the year, but this is kind of an opportunity for them to, uh, say that they're, they're a force, you know, in this ACC race, that they're, they're legit. They need to – they haven't had much success against the Cavaliers, and, and not that anybody has in recent years, but this is a, this is a game that they, they should feel like, uh, you know, they, they can slip out of there with a victory. So I'm kind of intrigued to see that as this ACC race takes shape and really a year unlike any we've ever seen in the ACC. By the way, Sunday an ESPN game, uh, and this will be the game Houston plays before ECU next Wednesday – but uh, SMU at uh, Houston, one o'clock on Sunday. So uh, that boy, that's an interesting. <laughs> that that could be a heck of a game uh, on Sunday afternoon. Uh, Brian Mull's with us. We're talking some basketball with him. I- I'm going to get to a couple golf things here in just a moment. But let me ask you a little bit about uh, right now. And I I, I know this is kind of hard to do. It, it's almost as difficult as this committee's job of selecting who gets in. But you know, who who are your as we sit here today, who are your kind of uh, those among those that are going to be playing, uh, you know, Elite Eight Sunday trying to play for a Final Four? And, and, you know, I'm not saying name all the participants, but who are the teams right now, whether it be three or four or, or eight or nine, that are in that running in your mind right now? I know you're big on Florida State. I like Florida State. Uh, I really do. I think they're, they're certainly a second week of the NCAA tournament. Uh, you can't really say second weekend now because they're playing the Monday, the, you know, the Sweet 16 games on Monday and Tuesday. It, it's a little little confusing. But right, uh, yeah. a second wave of your bracket there. Uh, certainly Baylor and, and Gonzaga have separated themselves as uh, in, in every way possible, just visually and analytically, as, as the two best teams in the country. Uh, and I think they're in their own – own class and then after that uh i, I really like villanova uh certainly pedigree there with jay wright a couple of national championships and, and and just uh in a normal year they turn out 28 30 wins uh like there's nothing to it so uh they've, they've got a veteran cast there and, and typically when he's had a veteran team uh you know they're they're in it for the long haul and, and i'll tell you this alabama team is, is legit um I, uh, I've watched yep. them play quite a bit this year. And, and, and look, uh, Kentucky's nothing great this year, uh, even though they have a lot of talent. They just haven't put it together. But they ran away from Kentucky late in that game last night. Yeah, and they've, you know, they, they came, Nate Oates came in and said, look, we're going to play fast and shoot a ton of threes. And they've certainly done that, but they've also evolved over the last month or so and, and shown that they can kind of win some of these uh, slugfests and they can shut some teams down. You know, they held a high powered Arkansas team to 59 points in a, in a blowout earlier this year. And then, I mean, they went into LSU and, and, and beat a very talented LSU team by 30, um, just outclassed them. And, and they can shoot it from, from three or four positions. Uh, they've been a little banged up, but uh, I really like, I like their chances. I mean, it's the highest they've been ranked, uh, gosh, in, in 20 years, I think. And uh, Oates has come in there and he, he's actually spent a lot of time with Nick Saban and tried to pick his brain as much as he can. And, uh, uh, you know, he was a big uh, – Oates was a big winner at Buffalo, and, and he's really uh, recruited well and, and coaching at a, at a high level. I, I think they're they're legitimate. Uh, I still like Texas. Uh, you know, the Big 12's a grinder, and you're going to lose some games uh, going through the rigors of that conference, certainly having to play the Baylors and Oklahomas and Texas Techs of the world, Kansas. But um, – I think I, I just like the way their team's put together. They've been without their coach. Shaka Smart's been out for a few few games yeah. um, lately. 
but uh, I, I think they're they're built for uh, they defend and uh, they, they've got a good veteran guards and, and a couple of good big men. I think they've got a nice recipe for for, for the tournament. All right, well, we got Brian Mull with us here. I want to ask you a little bit about uh, the. You know, this is sort of the big, the first big event of uh, 21, the Farmers uh, taking place at Torrey Pines, which uh, we'll, be, we'll be revisiting that a little later in the summer. Uh, and a pretty good field competing this weekend uh, there. Uh, but like I said, this is sort of the first, um, the first where a lot of the stars, a lot of the up-and-comers, a lot of really good players are all kind of getting together this weekend uh, on the PGA Tour side. Definitely, and with, and with their, uh, you know, the U.S. Open being there in, in June, I think uh, some guys uh, definitely wanted to, to get another look at it. Uh, of course, uh, they play three rounds this week on the on the south course, which will be the host course for the U.S. Open, and then one round on the adjacent north course. But both uh, both are good tests. Um, you know, Southern California golf. Uh, uh, the weather is beautiful out there today. It's supposed to be horrible tomorrow by their standards. Very cold and rainy, and then. Uh, pretty good on the weekend but you've got a terrific field john rom you know rory mcelroy coming off a good finish uh, last year last week in his season debut over in dubai and uh you know patrick reed's playing and he's he's been really playing well if you look back uh, you know both in europe and, and the u.s he's played well for the last five or six months and certainly a contender and uh, of course hometowner lefty and uh yeah. you know ricky fowler mr farmer's himself is uh you know trying to 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 rebound you know fowler's really coming off the worst stretch of of his career and has, has worked pretty hard on his game so uh, showed a few signs last week down in the desert himself and uh you know a lot of people wondering if, if he's going to have a, a good year and it's good to see brooks kepka back playing uh, this is his second week in a row playing and uh you know he understands last year was kind of a lost year in, in a lot of ways with with injuries and and certainly the the long you know, lay off in the middle of the season. And he's anxious to, to get his game back in form where he can uh, put his name on the leaderboard in the majors. And by and, the uh, way, uh, yeah. I, go ahead, Ball. I'm sorry. No, I just think he uses these regular tour events as, as tune-ups. Right. <laughs> you know, this is kind of the way he approaches them, and, and that, which is fine. And uh, Ben updated you, but uh, and we'll update you tomorrow. Harold Varner out on the course uh, right now, too. A uh, little bit of a slow start uh, for him, uh, by the way, as well. So uh, keep that in mind, ladies and gentlemen. We'll uh, we'll let you know yeah. what HV three is doing tomorrow. Uh, Brian Mole with us here. Anything else uh, from from the PGA? What what is the next? What do the next few weeks look like as they kind of uh, themselves come out of a little bit of hibernation? Yeah, next week uh, Scottsdale and um, they uh, you know will be there, and we're so used to seeing you know fifty thousand people around the sixteenth hole, the par three there. I think they're going to have very limited attendance for the golf tournament uh, was the last plan that I heard. Of course, there's no spectators in San Diego this week. And so it'll be a much different feel there in the desert with all the wide open space, but uh, a solid feel there. And then uh, Pebble Beach with no, with no amateurs or celebrities, um, yeah. which uh, in its own right will be, will, will be strange, you know, and, uh, maybe make the golf course play a little more difficult and a little more like we're used to seeing it play in some majors, but uh, uh, maybe not six and a half hour rounds, which I think everybody can appreciate. Um, but yeah. yeah, that'll be, you know, first time ever really uh, since, you know, the tournament's inception way back in the forties that uh, there, there hasn't been the amateur slash celebrity component. Always great to catch up with Brian Mull talking some hoops, talking some golf. Thanks a lot. Thanks Patrick. Yeah, great to have you on at BG Mull on Twitter. Follow him there. Uh, by the way, HV3, six over for the day. So he's got a lot of work ahead of him tomorrow to make the weekend. Uh, some breaking news on Twitter, Ben. Uh, we understand Ron Rivera's daughter has says he has been – well, I, I don't want to get it wrong. So what is the what is the update with, uh, with Ron Rivera's daughter? And I think uh, intern Joe picked this up. So He's cancer-free. So she says he's officially can't. Wow. Yep. It's already been reported on and everything by legit sources. Yeah. That's awesome. Uh, We've got a Twitter poll up as well. What is it, Ben? (laughs) I think I caught Ben off guard on that one. We do have a scrambling here. KC was on the computer here and I had to wrestle him for Uh, it. 
No, that's fine. But we asked, Look. how would you like to see the Panthers handle the quarterback position in this offseason? Either you can keep Teddy and draft the quarterback, trade for Matt Stafford, or trade for Deshaun Watson, or other. Please let us know what you think, yeah. if you got some kind of other suggestion. 55.6%, well, uh, the overwhelming majority so far, say trade for Deshaun Watson. Well, of course. And it's tied for second with keep Teddy and trade for Matt. So Wow. So uh, go to Twitter at 943thegame. Vote on that. That poll will run for the next 24, and uh, we'll update you tomorrow on the uh, Doing It Live, get you to the weekend edition of the Patrick Johnson Show, where Brian Mole's going to join us. Uh, Kane's back on the ice tonight. We didn't do an interview with the PA man, but that's all right. Uh, we actually, you know, talked to Maniscalco and that caliber of expert. Well, yeah, because that makes uh, sense. That's what you're right. supposed to do. <laughs> exactly. And LeBlanc. We love People LeBlanc. actually know what they're, what they're commenting right. on. But the Canes are going to be playing a stretch of 53 games in 101 days starting tonight. Whew. Some tough sledding right there. No, I mean, I just don't – there's no way they're going to play all the – there's just no way. And the team that's going to be out there on the ice tonight, I mean, you're not going to recognize them in some cases uh, just because of the COVID issues. Um, Brian North is with us tomorrow. He's uh, – final day on sports tomorrow. He's moving to the morning show on Channel 12. Uh, was there anything else, Ben? Oh, your boy. He, he found a home. Ole Miss. Who is that again? Nigel Knott, a guy that never played it down for ECU, but was, was highly talented year. coming in. Yeah. Yeah. He was the kid from Alabama, and he was your buddy, right? He was my very uh, – it was a very strange predicament. We've, we've talked about it before. He befriended you and then on the gram, right? On the gram, I didn't ask for it. I don't even think I followed him. He reached out, wanted to hang out. And, and he got caught up in buying the Instagram followers. Yep, he got caught buying Instagram followers, had his Instagram restricted for a while there. Who is he, Giggles Radio? <laughs> buying followers? All right, uh, thanks to Brian Mull. Great job today, intern Joe. We're going to keep you around. Have a good weekend. And uh, Ben and I will be back tomorrow. Are you going to bring Squirrelbot in since we're getting into the weekend? I'll talk to him. I'll talk to him. You guys are dinner buddies. I can, I can make it happen. I bet. Uh, thanks to you for listening. Uh, might give a little bow jangles away tomorrow, too. We haven't done that this week. It's a little bow time uh, and more. We'll talk to you tomorrow. <laughs>